Chapter 2 Act 1 We are the Champions Tadfield Aziraphale is surprised as they near the small hamlet to feel that same overwhelming aura of love as before. He closes his eyes, pressing his hand unconsciously to his chest. Love, you said, Crowley says. Still there, I take it. Aziraphale smiles, a real, genuine, wide smile. Yes. Well, that's something at least, isn't it? Aziraphale opens his eyes, glancing askance at the demon. Did you really not feel it before? Crowley keeps his eyes on the road much more than usual. Couldn't be sure. Always feels like that around you. Aziraphale's resulting smile is also wide, if much more brief. You're a wonder, my dear. I'm so lucky to have you. Yeah, right. Thanks. You too. Listen, I want lunch. Do you? No, you don't, obviously. But is it all right if we stop? I think there's a pub or something like it. Aziraphale looks away, obligingly letting the demon steer them away from the emotional topic. Mm-hmm, that sounds fine. The pub is as picturesque as only eleven years of the influence of a reality-bending antichrist could have made it. It's open and warm and full of dense wooden furniture and the pungent scent of hops. When Aziraphale and Crowley enter, the barkeep offers them a friendly hello and tells them to take their pick of seats. Crowley, out of habit, takes them to the back corner, out of the way of prying eyes and ears. Aziraphale follows him. What do you expect us to find in Tatfield? Crowley picks up a pepper pot and fidgets it between his fingers. Haven't a clue. It's a step in the dark, honestly. The plan is to just travel about and hope something twigs for you. I figured, if nothing else, it gets us out of London for a while. Something new. The world is a large place, and we've associations with much of it. You called this the greatest hits list. Why? Crowley ducks his head. Ah, well, it stands out, doesn't it? A big hurrah. We were part of something big here. And it started a new sort of chapter, didn't it? What happened in Tedfield had a direct impact on my journey to hell. They never would have recalled you if not for what happened here. There was no need. That, too, Crowley agrees. A waitress comes and takes their orders. Crowley foists a basket of fish and chips off on the angel and orders a bowl of the house soup for himself. Aziraphale can just make out the buzz of a radio from the back. It's always nice to listen to something other than Queen, though Aziraphale will admit the band had grown on him quite a lot after those first few days post-Tetfield. He might even feel warmly toward them now, even without his sense of joy. Did I ever actually thank you for getting me out? Aziraphale focuses his gaze on the dark wood of the table. It has large, sanded whirls all through it. He trails his fingers over a flattened knot. I can't recall. You needn't, regardless. You know I couldn't have done anything else. I do. But you could have, really. Aziraphale looks up. He can't read Crowley's expression through the lenses of his glasses. I don't know what you're thinking. I'm thinking about six thousand years, I suppose. Ah, yes. 
Would you ever have said it if you'd had the choice? Aziraphale doesn't need to ask what he means by that, at least. My dear, I truly always assumed you knew. I did. As much as I could, I mean. But you never said. Aziraphale presses his foot against Crowley's under the table. I had a responsibility. It was important to me. You had to lose trust and innocence to lose your faith. You lost a lot more than that before you could admit you loved me. Aziraphale's brows draw close. Do you think I'll try to take it back if I become whole again? When? If, Aziraphale says with a tight smile. Remember, dear, I also have no hope. Hopeless, trustless, faithless. And then you can say it. Crowley, Aziraphale hazards. They are walking on delicate ground. He doesn't wish to tromp over something he cannot later revive. I can't give you what you need, whatever it might be. I'll say to you now whatever assurances you wish, but if you're hoping that I will know them without prompting, I do not, and I cannot, not right now. Crowley licks his lips. He looks away and then back again. Can you just tell me while you can? Until you stop wanting to anymore. Can you say it from time to time? Aziraphale knows there is something about this conversation, but he isn't sure what. He gets that odd, misplaced feeling only when he's about to do something entirely in conflict with his former self. Something he never would have agreed to before. Will it hurt you if I do? No. I mean, maybe a little when it stops, but not until then. All right. I love you, Crowley. The demon relaxes. Thanks. Aziraphale, feeling more than slightly out of step, just nods and files this action away as something he should remember to do sporadically in the future, as asked. Crowley won't allow them to leave until Aziraphale has finished his chips, at least. Aziraphale breaks them into tiny pieces and throws them back like medication. If he can try to avoid lingering on any of it, it's not so terrible. It's trying to wash it down later that's the real trial. Even water sticks in his throat and coats his teeth with something utterly vile. You look green, Crowley says, worriedly. I won't vomit in your car, Crowley snorts. That's not why I'm worried. Aziraphale tilts his head, appraising him candidly. That's not the only reason I'm worried, Crowley amends. Aziraphale manages to keep his lunch down. The drive from the pub to their rental is not too terribly long. It's a friendly-looking cottage just on the outskirts. Quiet. Peaceful. Aziraphale thinks he'd have a particular feeling toward the squat and tiny house, normally. But beyond a sense of gratitude that they have a solid roof overhead, he doesn't know what. Thought we could settle in for the rest of the evening, and then tomorrow go to the town? Aziraphale nods, distracted. The inside of the cottage is already furnished. There's a squat cotton couch in a shade of dark blue, a dining table for two made of pale wood. The bedroom has a bed a fair bit smaller than the one on Crowley's apartment, but Aziraphale doesn't mind. What do you think? It's fine. Crowley nods. 
Yeah, that's what I thought you might say. Should I say something else? The demon's smile is wry. Nah, hey, I'm knackered. Come with me. I thought you wanted to settle in. I'll snap up some things into the drawers later. I want to settle me in right now. I need a good pillow. You'll do. Aziraphale follows him into the living room and sits on the end of the sofa. Crowley flops down near him and then stretches out, laying his head on Aziraphale's lap. He tosses his shades onto the glass-topped coffee table. See now? Proper sloth. Dead easy. Lie down and you're done. Aziraphale smiles slightly. He takes to stroking his fingers over Crowley's hair. Virtue is ever vigilant, he reminds the demon softly. Good thing there's none of that here then, eh? Aziraphale considers this. Admittedly, the demon has a point. You could tempt me into so many things now, Aziraphale murmurs thoughtfully. Why haven't you? How would you know if I hadn't? Aziraphale twists Crowley's soft, straight hair between his fingers. All we've mostly done is lie about bantering a bit while you make me eat things. Hardly seems very wicked. Even I know that. He smiles. You haven't even tried to talk me into dunking any ducks. It's not as fun when you're not disapproving. I told you. A silence falls between them, and then Crowley says cautiously, You touch me a lot now. Do I? Aziraphale replies mildly, as if the angel is not that second, preening his fingers through Crowley's hair and running the fingertips of his other hand over Crowley's brows. His hands are still bandaged, but they wouldn't have to be. He could miracle it all better, but he won't. There's the principle of the thing, of course, but mostly Aziraphale doesn't miracle things much since hell. He's gotten out of the habit after so long without. I think you wouldn't normally. You aren't coercing me into touching you, Crowley, Aziraphale replies patiently. How would you be sure? Because I lack trust, joy, empathy, innocence and hope, darling. I still have a heart. Crowley swallows. When he speaks, his voice sounds thick. I don't want you to regret it later. Just let me love you, you old snake. It's just like sloth. Just relax and let it be. Simple. Aziraphale dreams. He rarely does, ever, but when they come about, Santa Muerta is always there. You're on your quest now, I see, she greets him. She's wearing a pinstripe suit coat and trousers. The shirt beneath is silk and has a coal necktie. She fiddles with the edge of it as Aziraphale approaches and sits down at the wrought iron table. They are in the outdoor seating of some small bistro in a region that Aziraphale cannot guess at, but, judging by the climate, is tropical in nature. It became more pressing. It isn't your fault. He loves those plants, more than loves. They represent something to him, something he's lost, something he needs. He's lost you. He needs you. Is he right? Would I have treated him differently had I come out of hell unscathed? He seems so certain. But for me, I can't imagine acting any differently after what we went through. I want to tell him I love him. I want to touch him as anyone would someone they love. 
If I were whole, would it stop? Would I back away? He'll be so wounded if I do. He's cynical, she reminds him, sounding faintly amused. He's cynical, and your lack of hope has left you suggestible to it. That's not an answer, really. Is he right? There's only one way to know. Aziraphale taps his fingers against the moulded metal surface of the table. I am afraid. She nods her skeletal head. You were afraid before, too. You were terrified, I think, of going down there, of failing in your mission. But you did not fail, did you? So, your fears? Unfounded. Not useful to you. Fear can only take you so far, Angelus. There comes a point where you must have faith. Aziraphale snorts. But I don't anymore. I lost that, too. So build new faith. Believe in something different instead. I don't trust myself. She watches him, patiently. And I do trust Crowley, but there's this doubt always in the back of my head. It makes it so hard to think, especially if he isn't there to talk me out of it. Santa Muerta regards him with hollow sockets. Was your faith in God absolute? I beg your pardon? The faith that you have lost in hell. It was for God and his plan, yes? Did you never waver in your belief in it? Did you never question? Did you truly never doubt? I... I am an angel, I... Aziraphale. Aziraphale clears his throat. There were times. Brief ones. But there were times when I would doubt. Just a bit. Santa Muerta nods. True faith is never perfect. That is what makes it faith. If you so badly need a guiding start, sweet one, I suggest you look to the light that is nearest at hand. Aziraphale nudges Crowley's shoulder until the demon wakes. What's it? Crowley manages blearily. All right. Kiss me, Aziraphale demands. Crowley sits up, far more awake. Uh, what? Please. Crowley rubs his eyes. I'm dreaming? I want you to. I need you to, actually. Troubling, but... Why? Aziraphale demands. He tugs at Crowley's arm, pulling him closer. I'm asking. Very suddenly, in the middle of the night. Maybe you should think about this a minute. I have. Many minutes for the last six thousand years. Crowley raises a brow at him. Well, all right. Not quite that long, but not so long after. Crowley shakes his head. You've had a nightmare or something. You're spooked. Understandable. Still. Better not. Crowley, Aziraphale says, with the most genuine emotion he's displayed at the demon in ages, accepting his meltdown in the plant room a few days hence. Crowley's yellow eyes go soft, searching. What's wrong, angel? Aziraphale takes a hiccuping breath. You don't... You don't believe that I love you, and I haven't an idea at all how to fix it. Crowley makes a soft, speculative noise. I believe it. I know you do. I just think... If things were different, or 
uh, the same, I suppose. I think you'd keep it under your head. That's cruel, Crowley. Crowley hums, still thoughtful. I always ask too much of you. Kept applying the peer pressure, mostly. Little temptations here and there. I never figured I'd get everything I wanted, because I wanted so much. What we had, whatever you'll give, it's enough. It always has been. You weren't cruel as, if anything, you were generous to a fault. Aziraphale remembers four stacks of books. I nearly turned around. Crowley doesn't have to ask what he means. You didn't. I wanted to. Crowley tucks at his wrist, pulls him into a loose embrace. Whatever you'll give, I'll take. Just know, if you give an inch, I'll still want a mile. And right now, as you are, I'm afraid you won't know when to stop me. Aziraphale sighs, relaxing against the demon. That's because I don't ever want you to stop. Crowley gives him a gentle squeeze and pulls back. You don't want me to kiss you. I do. The other you. He wouldn't. I know that much, at least. Aziraphale closes his eyes. His past self ruins everything. Then I won't ask again. Crowley breathes a sigh of relief. Thanks. Aziraphale creates a barrier between them after that. They lounge together, still, from time to time. And he can't quite stop from holding Crowley's hand whenever the opportunity arises. I know it's all right, Crowley. I held your hand before hell, didn't I? Otherwise, though, he's careful. He's discreet. For all that, they share a bed, even if they keep to their own sides of it. And he keeps his promise, too stubborn to recant it. What harm can it possibly do? Good morning, Aziraphale greets Crowley every day. I love you. How can it possibly be the wrong choice when Crowley always lights up from the inside out in response? They've been living and exploring in Tedfield for nearly two weeks before catching sight of a familiar face. Hello there, Adam Young, Aziraphale greets. The blond boy with the tousled curls and cherubic face trades glances with his gathered friends. Hello, he says warily. Are you new here? Then it's Aziraphale and Crowley's turn to share a glance. Crowley answers, We're on holiday from London. We met your mother the other day at the grocery. She talked about you and your friends and your bikes. Aziraphale peers at the them and their vehicles with interest. Adam's riding a bike with a basket on it. It's been painted over in some places with a dark green hue, but the angel can see the pink underneath. That's a lovely bike you have. Thanks. It's Peppers, originally, but she didn't like it, so me and her switched. It's better anyhow, cause this one has a basket for my dog. The former hellhound yips at the sound of his name. On account of the fact that he gets tired quick when we ride too far. Small legs, I reckon. I imagine that's right. Crowley replies in a dazed sort of way. Well, it was nice to meet you, Adam, Aziraphale says. Sure. 
We are Mr. Fell and Mr. Crowley, by the way. We are renting Tabor Cottage. You and your friends are welcome to stop by. The property has a treehouse in the backyard. Crowley and I aren't using it, obviously, but you and your friends could, if you'd like. Crowley glances at Aziraphale with a what-are-you-playing-at expression painfully clear on his face, even with the sunglasses. Wonderfully unprepossessing, the children talk among each other in obvious delight. Sure, Adam says, imperiously. I guess we could do that. Best to ask your parents first, Crowley interjects, shooting Aziraphale another dark look. Oh, yes, Aziraphale agrees, entirely unrepentant. They watch the them ride off until they are out of sight. What the hell was that? I remembered what you said about me and humanity. An observer only. No true connections. They're kids, Crowley replies doubtfully. They'll be barging into our yard at all hours now. And we do not have a treehouse. Aziraphale smiles at him. Crowley sighs. Oh, all right, but I'm putting up a fence around it with a side gate. I won't have them walking through the cottage to get at it. Thank you, dear. I'm grateful. You better be. For all his grousing, Crowley takes to the puzzle of miracling up a treehouse with obvious glee. Isn't it a bit ostentatious? Crowley has his head tilted back, gazing up at the giant ash. It's twice as wide as any other natural tree on the property, its branches perfectly suited to carry the weight of the hefty house. It's only got the one room, and only two stories. Seems reasonable to me. You should put in a basket and a wench, for the dog. Crowley beams at him. Clever angel. Aziraphale hums. They'll be by after lunch, I would imagine. That's plenty of time. Come up with me. What? My dear, no! Why not? It's safe, especially for us. Aziraphale shifts awkwardly on his two feet. Crowley, your body is impervious, I made sure, but... Crowley's bright look fades with the reminder. I'll keep you safe. From tree houses? The tree house is stable as a rock. Are you doubting my craftsmanship? Crowley! From anything. Everything. A pause. Especially treehouses. I daren't climb up to it. You know I've not the knack for it that you do. Comes of being a snake, Crowley admits. Can't help my natural aptitude for slithering about. Go on, I'll help you. Aziraphale sighs. All right. You'd best go up first. Otherwise I'll fall on you. Crowley snorts a laugh. What harm would it do? I'm invulnerable and you're light as a feather these days. Crowley, as expected, shimmies up the branches, all perfectly placed for easy reaching, even for an uncoordinated boy like Wensleydale, with ease. Aziraphale takes his time behind him. As he reaches the hole in the floor, Crowley's hands pop out and grip him by the wrists, pulling him the rest of the way in. Aziraphale sits on the sled wood floor and looks about. It's enormous, he scolds. It's bigger on the inside. Crowley has the decency to blush. I told you, I miss Doctor Who. 
Aziraphale bites down on a smile. A real, wide one. Crowley grins back to see even the hint of it. Go on. Look, there's the stairs to the upper level. Aziraphale has to crawl on his hands and knees over to the short staircase. The treehouse is large, but it's still built for kids and the ceiling is low. He makes a small, wandering sound. Oh my dear! The second floor has a sturdy, open patio along one wall. And as he ducks out onto it, he can see the supposed ash tree is full to bursting with a crop of entirely unseasonal and perfect-looking apples. Figured he could stop flinching them from that old coot down the road. Crowley is quick to move into position beside Aziraphale. They look out through the leaves together. You know he'll do it anyway. They do taste better when they're forbidden, I've heard. Aziraphale plucks an apple from a near branch. He pushes it into Crowley's hands. Only one way to find out if that's true. Crowley's expression is hard to read. Angel, he says softly. Are you tempting me? Aziraphale's small smile grows into a broad grin. Crowley, again, grins reflexively back. What would you do, dear, with the knowledge of good and evil? Crowley snorts at the question. Don't I have that already? I don't know, Aziraphale replies truthfully. I've always wondered if there wasn't more to understand. If, in a way, we are, as Adam and Eve were, naked, unaware that we should be clothed. It seems likely, doesn't it, that there would be a next step? Crowley's eyes narrow. Even behind the shades, Aziraphale can see it. Angel, what you're talking about, that next step, it's not allowed. It's taking yourself to the level of God. Aziraphale considers this. Oh well, good thing I only ever wondered about it and didn't actually try then, I suppose. Crowley takes off his shades, holding them with the hand that is not currently clutching the pilfered apple. His expression is serious. Aziraphale, you need to be careful, all right? You're in territory even a demon wouldn't tread in. Even Satan wouldn't dare. Aziraphale lifts a shoulder. It's only a thought, dear, but I'm sure you're right. Crowley breathes out a small puff of air. Keeping you out of trouble is a lot more difficult than I would have guessed. You're too smart for your own good. Too bullheaded, besides. How come you never told me you'd been thinking about the advancement of angels? Oh, I don't know. Because it was theoretical, I suppose? Crowley, what on earth did you think I was doing with all those books? I've learned things over the centuries. Many things. Crowley hums. He opens his mouth, shuts it again, but then shrugs. All right. I have to know. How theoretical is it, exactly? Is there some new tree out there, just waiting for the likes of Angelkind to find it? Aziraphale smiles slightly. There's a few guesses, yes. I've never gone to look. Crowley shakes his head. The hubris. It wouldn't be so shocking, would it? If he had set the test for us, just as he had for humankind? Crowley shudders. I really don't want to think about it. I already failed one of God's biggest tests. 
Let's not give me another, eh? Aziraphale frowns, feeling the same off-kilter sensation with which he's growing steadily familiar. There's something about this conversation that is at odds with his past self, something that makes Aziraphale in the present feel out of step with the rest of the world. You're better off. Crowley jerks back as if Aziraphale has just tried to hit him. Excuse me? Aziraphale steps back, holding up his hands, brows drawn tight. That was a bad thing to say, he guesses. Too right, Crowley mutters darkly. He sets the apple down on the railing of the patio. Enough fresh air, I think. Let's go inside. I don't want the kids to catch us out in the open. Aziraphale swallows, letting his nervousness go away. He shakes his head. They're children, Crowley, not a pride of hungry lions. Please. If anyone is the predator species around here, it's me. I just don't want them to get their sticky little fingers all over my cool. Crowley is good with them, despite his bluster. As predicted, the group stops by at least once a day, sometimes more on the weekends. They keep to their designated gate and never purposefully bother the cottage itself. But Aziraphale goes out to the tree from time to time to offer a brief hello and some miracle snacks. Crowley usually tags along on these sujons, mostly spending the short encounters snarking at Pepper and enabling Brian. Aziraphale keeps a steady eye on Wensleydale. A good, smart chap, but he can't be trusted not to fall right out of the tree given half a chance. Neither of them worry at all about Adam. Even as a normal human child, he radiates an aura of self-assurance that makes him somehow impervious to all harm. It's a shock, then, one overcast afternoon, when a small fist knocks at the back door. Got it, Crowley says, pulling himself away from the small bonsai tree on the kitchen table. It's the nervous one. Shall I let him in? Crowley, please. You know his name very well, and moreover, you know better than to ask. Do whatever you want. He does. Wensleydale pushes his thick glasses up his nose with a hand. His other hand is clutched around a small shoebox. It has holes in it. Ah, hello. Good afternoon. Thank you for seeing me. Crowley shoots a look at Aziraphale over his shoulder. Aziraphale just stares placidly back at him. Crowley sighs. What can I do for you, kid? He asks. Wensleydale bites his lip. Then he lifts up the shoebox. I need help. Crowley tilts his head back on his neck as if begging for strength, though certainly he expects to find marginal help from above him at best. Come in. Aziraphale shepherds the boy and his box gently to the kitchen table. Where are your friends? Oh, Adam told me to come here. We were playing by the water. Adam didn't figure we all needed to come by. He sent me cause it's my shoebox. Aziraphale smiles softly. The shoebox is for a small pair of loafers, with fringe. Of course. What's in it, dear boy? Wensleydale nods, clearly expecting that question. He tucks off the lid on top. Oh dear, Aziraphale says faintly. Crowley, I believe this is more your area. I'll go ma- make- bring some biscuits and milk for us all, shall I? 
Crowley, likely interested despite himself, comes over. He whistles low. She's a beauty, he compliments. Where'd you find her? In the water. She got all wedged between two branches. I tried to look her up in my field book, but I couldn't figure it out. She's not a water snake, is she? No, indeed, Crowley agrees. She's a European viper, an adder. You lot are lucky as hell she didn't bite any of you. She didn't, did she? Wensleydale goes extremely pale. Crowley! Aziraphale warns. Then he flinches. Something? Crowley shoots him a worried look. Aziraphale waves him off. She didn't, Wensleydale says weakly. Crowley pats his shoulder. Their bites aren't fatal. Not a fun time, but you'd have lived. I wouldn't worry overly much about it anyway. She's not very interested in biting anyone at the moment. It's a good job you got her out of those branches when you did. She's half-starved. You can tell? Crowley shrugs. I'm good with snakes. As if to prove the point, he reaches out a hand to the rather large snake. She hesitates, but then slowly winds up his arm. Wicked! Wensleydale breathes, perhaps the most properly childish thing he's ever said. Crowley smirks. Oh, without a doubt. Here you are, Aziraphale offers, setting a plate of biscuits and a glass of cold milk before the boy. Might as well have a snack before you go back to your friends. You can take the leftovers to them too. Wensleydale beams at him. Thanks! I can only have one, though. My mum gets cross if I don't save room for a nutritious dinner. Aziraphale tilts his head at him thoughtfully. I won't tell her, if you won't. Crowley makes an amused sound, refusing to catch the angel's eye. It's a large terrarium. Aziraphale presses his fingers to the glass. It will hold, won't it? I don't want any of them getting bitten, even if it isn't likely to be fatal. They'll stop coming by if they get bitten. Crowley huffs. Not likely. Become the hottest spot for preteens in town, more like. Crowley, I'm serious. Crowley hides his smile in his cup of coffee. More and more since they've arrived in Tadfield, brief flashes of Aziraphale's old self keep bleeding through, his fussiness especially. Save as houses, Angel. Stop bothering her. She wants to nap. As well she should, after how she swallowed that rabbit down. Poor thing. Circle of life. Now, come sit. I want to see the snake. Aziraphale blinks blarily at the short, determined figure at the back door. He yawns and rubs his eyes. He'd been napping on the couch. Crowley is in his new plant room, fussing with bonsai trees again, most likely. Aziraphale has mostly been sleeping the past few days. He's not felt his best, and sleeping, at least, makes the time go by. Pepper frowns at him, then something dawns on her. Also, good morning. Aziraphale's lips twitch into a faint smile. Come in, Pepper. I'll make you a hot cocoa, if you like. And don't tap on the glass, please. It makes her quite distressed. Aziraphale lingers in the kitchen for as long as he suspects it would take to make a cocoa without pulling it from thin air. When he pats into the living room, he finds Pepper with her hands carefully tucked behind her back and her nose pressed to the glass. 
her breath fogging it up in short bursts. Something warm and soft hits him in the chest, so hard and fleeting that it leaves him breathless. He stops, stock still mid-step, breathing through it, eyes wide. What's her name? Pepper demands, oblivious. Aziraphale comports himself. He stands up straight and hands her the steaming mug. We haven't thought to name her yet. I suppose Crowley could always ask. Pepper shoots him a hard, sceptical look. Your boyfriend can talk to snakes, can he? Aziraphale considers her for a moment. Yes. He hardly sees any reason to lie to her about it. Pepper squints at him. Hm. Well, you should have him ask. It's rude to just go around calling her the snake all the time. I will. He's really your boyfriend then. You didn't deny it. Aziraphale perches on the edge of the couch. That's not exactly what I'd call it, but near enough to suit you, I'd suppose. Pepper nods sagely. My mum had a girlfriend after she left my dad. She was all right, but she didn't like Tatfield at all. People here are too stodgy about lesbians and things, so she left. I miss her, but I suppose it's all right. Mum says she doesn't mind being single. It just means she has more time to spend with me and her. I'm glad you and your mother have a good relationship. Pepper shrugs. I guess. I don't think much about it. Aziraphale peers past her in the glass. The snake is curled up in sleep, ignoring them utterly. Do you like games? Pepper asks abruptly. Cause sometimes me and the them will play board games. And we want to bring some up to the treehouse. Which is alright in that except Brian's too impatient to play more than a few minutes and Adam always wants to play boring strategy games. He's much better at playing pretend. And Wensleydale's parents won't let him play anything as it's educational and, frankly, I'm sick to death of trivial pursuit. What do you prefer to play? Pepper grins at him. I'm really good at fish and old maid. Aziraphale considers this for a moment. He nods. I suppose we could manage that. Once a week, Wensleydale comes by and checks up on the snake. Crowley politely inquires as to her name, and the result is beyond human comprehension, so they all just take to calling her Noodle, because it seems to fit. On Saturday afternoons, Pepper comes by and plays cards with Aziraphale, and, if he can be bullied into it, Crowley too. Brian wanders in one evening and makes a few comments about his parents being out and wondering if, maybe, perhaps, he can join them for dinner? And Crowley promptly orders the boy to stop by any time he needs a place to go. From that point on, they see the boy quite a lot, especially in the evenings and at mealtimes. Brian has a large family. He sometimes is easily forgotten. Once, he even spends the night on the couch. Crowley insists they should call his parents, but Aziraphale shakes his head. He wouldn't be here if that was an option, Crowley. You're supposed to be the sensible one, Crowley accuses. Aziraphale meets him eye for eye. I should think, as the one of us with any empathy, you'd be making better choices. And there hadn't been much to say after that. It all comes to a head after a month or so, when Adam Young knocks on their back door just after breakfast. What did I tell you about how this would go? Crowley moans. In the cottage at all hours, at the door all the time, needing this, asking that. Aziraphale just sips his tea. Adam, to his credit, doesn't come in until Crowley, sighing, asks him to. 
Have a seat, Adam, Aziraphale offers. Do you want breakfast? Adam critically eyes Aziraphale's mostly full, picked-at plate. Do you? Crowley snorts a laugh. What cheek, he compliments. Adam sits down in the vacant chair. I've come to ask what gives. Aziraphale licks his tongue over his teeth idly, waving a hand for the boy to go on. Cause it seems to be that you've been stealing my gang away without asking, and that's not fair. Aziraphale and Crowley exchange a brief look over the boy's head. I don't understand, Adam. Adam fidgets because he's only a child after all. Well, Adam swallows heavily, lifting his eyes, determination in his gaze. Everybody's coming by here all the time and doing things and such. Only nobody ever asked me about it, did they? Crowley makes a sound of understanding. You're welcome any time, Adam. Just like the rest of them. Sorry you felt left out. Aziraphale smiles at his plate. Crowley is all bark and not a hint of bite at all, where the them are concerned. And even his bark fails him, more often than not. Is that all right? Adam asks of Aziraphale. Aziraphale lifts a shoulder. I mostly do what Crowley feels is best. If he says so, then so do I. Adam beams. Well, all right then. Can I come back tonight? I want to see the snake. Aziraphale nods. Her name is Noodle. Any time you'd like, Adam. Just knock on the door first, please. This is all well and good, Crowley says one rare evening alone. But we need to talk about it. This? It? The kids. They're wearing you out. Me too, a bit but not nearly as much. You're not yourself. And being at the back and call of a bunch of children day in, day out, is stretching you thin. I've seen you with them. I know how hard it is for you to know what to do and say. Oh, it's not so bad as that. You're always nearby if I need help puzzling something out. It's too much. You're tired. Hell, I'd say you're making yourself sick if I thought that was possible to do. Aziraphale levels him a look. Black plague, he says mildly. Crowley sniffs. Yeah, well, I was making a point. It's not a proper strike if no one is paying attention to it, dear. Look, stop trying to distract me. You need a break. They're helping me. Crowley raises a brow at him, incredulous. Explain. Aziraphale fiddles with his sleeve. He's patched it twice already and just keeps picking out new holes. I didn't want to mention it until I was sure, and I'm not quite yet. Don't leave me in suspense, Angel. It's not often, but from time to time when I'm with them I feel something different. Not so different, something familiar, but different. Something you've lost? I don't know. It's never for long. But it's unmistakably present. It... it hurts a bit. The way that it hurts to take a breath when you've been without air for too long. Good and right, but... sore. Crowley scoots over so that they are sitting more closely on the couch. I wish you'd mentioned this earlier. I thought we were being transparent. 
No lies of omission on either side. I didn't know if it was real. Crowley sighs, rubbing his hand over his face. Lack of self-trust, he reminds himself rather bitterly. All right then. What makes you think the kids are causing it? They're always there when it happens. Because they are always here, Crowley says dryly. Aziraphale pets his knee. The holidays end soon. They'll come by less, I should think, when school starts back up. They're going to want help with their studies. Oh dear, I hope not. I haven't so much as looked at algebra since it was invented, and their history books are always so full of errors. Crowley grabs the hand on his knee, squeezing it softly. You're avoiding the question. Was there a question? An implied one. Are you feeling all right? Aziraphale lifts a shoulder. I'm low on energy these days. Hell was, well, hell, on my baseline needs, I suppose. I can't quite get the knack of needing sleep and food and the like. The them aren't at fault. I promise. They help. Crowley hisses a slow breath in through his teeth. All right, then. I'll allow it. But the minute I think otherwise... I trust you to do what you think is best, dear. Crowley sighs. Yeah, I know. That's what worries me sometimes. Uh-huh. Not today. Scram. The assembled them stare up at Crowley in suspicion. They're used to Mr. Crowley's grumpiness, and they're not entirely certain if his greeting is a genuine brush-off or more of the same. Crowley! Aziraphale calls from the living room couch. Don't be such a grouch. Just let them in. Angel! Crowley growls back over his shoulder, clearly agitated. Adam speaks up for the lot, as usual. Is everything all right? Me and the gang just wanted to say hello and all. Say hello tomorrow. Crowley replies sharply. Crowley, let them in! A pause. I want you to. Crowley closes his eyes, pained. He can hardly refuse such a statement. Aziraphale rarely has desires or opinions on much of anything anymore. The only thing he started to warm up to lately is the them. Fine, the demon grouches. Come in, but don't be bothersome and take your shoes off at the door. Pepper is the first to kick off her trainers. She dashes into the living room and makes a beeline straight to the terrarium. Lo, Mr. Fell, she throws over her shoulder, getting cosy with the glass. I heard that snakes shed their skins sometimes. Is Noodle's skin going to fall off? You should call me over if it is. I want to see it happen. Aziraphale pulls himself into a sitting position, peering over at her over the back of the couch. I suppose she might. It's Crowley who knows about snakes. Pepper turns to him, but her words get stuck in her throat. She takes a short, sharp breath and hisses it out through her teeth like a bothered cat. You look sick, she accuses. Are you sick? Aziraphale smiles at her. Pepper always feels strange when Mr. Fell smiles. It's like he doesn't quite know what to do with his face when it happens. I'm only a tat under the weather. I'm not contagious. You don't have to worry. Pepper waves a hand. I'm not worried. 
My mum makes sure I get all my shots and besides that she says that I got a good immune system cause I was breastfed so long and such like. Aziraphale nods. Yes, I suppose that would do it, he agrees, faintly amused. Oi, Pepper, don't hog the snake cause... Brian stops short. Mr. Fell, you look bad. Oi, Mr. Crawley, do you know your friend is sick? He's not his friend, he's his boyfriend, Pepper corrects primly. Brian makes a baffled face. What, like if he was his girlfriend? Pepper nods. Brian shrugs. Okay, but like, Mr. Crawley, did you know your boyfriend is sick? Crawley nudges Brian aside and strides across the room to the couch. I told you you look like hell, he mutters to Aziraphale. He nudges Aziraphale over just enough to sit right next to him and then promptly pulls the angel against him, playing pillow. He's fine, kids, just an idiot. Rude, Aziraphale mumbles, eyes already half-closed. My mum always gives me clear soda when I'm sick, Adam offers. He sits down on the floor between the coffee table and the small TV, looking at Crowley and Aziraphale with a thoughtful expression. Do you want some clear soda, Mr. Fell? Cause I could go get some. They keep it down at the grocery, and Mr. Juba down there probably knows the kind that's best to get for being sick, I think. Hey, look, one of them might leave, Crawley whispers. Aziraphale pinches his arm slightly. Stop it. To Adam, he says. That's very nice of you to offer, dear, but I'm afraid I can't drink much of anything right now. When I'm sick, my mum makes chicken and star soup, Brian says. My mum lets me eat ice cream if I want it. Or dry toast. The ice cream is better, Pepper says. When I'm sick, I just sleep a lot. Do you need to sleep a lot, Mr. Fell? Wensleydale asks. Don't, Aziraphale warns Crowley in a hiss before the demon can respond to that. Those are all very good ideas, Aziraphale praises them. Thank you. But I think I just need to lie here for a bit. Did you children want to do something in particular today? It's rare we see you all at once in the cottage. The them all collectively look at Adam. Adam hesitates. Well, doesn't seem as important at the moment. We could talk about it later. The them all make whining noises of disappointment. He's sick, Adam says to them defensively. Not fair to ask favours when somebody feels bad. Aziraphale jerks sharply in Crowley's arms, suddenly. Crowley's hold on him tightens. What? It's fine, Aziraphale says back, weakly. Just a feeling. Can you help me sit up properly? Crowley's expression is tight with concern, but he does as asked. He keeps his gaze intent on Aziraphale, just in case. Go on, then. All of you come where Adam is so I can see you properly, please. The them quickly scramble into place. Soon all four of them perch on the floor, looking upon Aziraphale with wide, innocent eyes. Aziraphale huffs a soft laugh. Crowley stares at him. Aziraphale's laughter is a rare and precious thing these days. All right, the angel says. I'm listening. What do you need? We don't need it exactly, Adam hatches. He looks to the other them and then back to the grown-ups on the couch. But we'd like it, if possible. It's about the treehouse, Pepper breaks in. Adam is smart and has lots of good ideas, but sometimes he's too timid. We want a slide in it, out of it, you know, to get down once we're up it. Aziraphale nods. Yes, I think we could manage that quite easily. He looks over at Crowley. By tomorrow evening, I think. We want to help to make it, though, Adam says. 
I wanted to do a loop-the-loop, Brian adds. And it should be safety tested, Wensleydale adds to that, looking alarmed. Give them an inch, Angel, Crawley mutters. Aziraphale shushes him. All right, come by Saturday morning. We'll make a day of it. Good, Pepper says. Can we take Noodle out of her box again? Thanks, she means, Adam says, shooting Pepper a dirty look. Pepper shrugs. That too. Can we, though? Crowley works his mouth. Aziraphale isn't sure if he's smothering a smirk or not. Despite what he might say, Crowley appreciates Pepper and her love for their pet snake. All right, but remember, only if I'm holding on to her. Budge up, Angel. One of you lot, you come here and sit. That's not... Aziraphale argues, but Crowley has the look he often gets in the midst of an especially naughty prank, and Aziraphale can't bring himself to dissuade him. Oh, all right then. I can hold them up, Mr. C. I'm real strong, Brian says. Good. Mind his right shoulder then. It's an old war wound. Gives him trouble. Brian scrambles into the vacant spot. Aziraphale leans against the boy enough to make him feel like he's contributing, but not enough to squash him. Gee, oh, do you really got a war wound? You don't look like the soldiering type, though. Can I see it? Crowley smirks to himself, pulling a sleepy noodle from her home. Sit down, Pepper. You know the rule. Nobody pets noodle unless you're sitting still. And don't come at her from her blind spot. Aziraphale answers Brian as best he can without getting too deeply into the subject matter. It was more of a battle, really. No, with a sword. Well, it's an animal bite in point of fact. You can't see it right now. Maybe another time. Adam grins, watching Brian and Aziraphale like a tennis match, his eyes going back and forth. Wensleydale sits on the arm of the couch and breaks into their talk, abruptly changing the subject with a question regarding the safety standards of commercial-grade playground equipment. The cottage is full of chatter and warmth, and Aziraphale closes his eyes in the whirl of it and basks in the sensation of something warm growing out from his chest, digging sharp, hungry roots into his very soul. It's Saturday, Crowley says. Aziraphale makes a soft, agreeing noise. I can tell them to come back later. Aziraphale swallows thickly a few times. No, he mumbles, borrowing his face deeper under the blankets. Their bedroom is cold to him. Despite this, there's a persistent sheen of sweat on his skin, and the room feels close and muggy with the scent of fever. You're in no shape to... So right, Aziraphale says, or thinks he does. Angel, Crawley murmurs, soft. He places his palm flat over Aziraphale's back, rubbing in small circles. They're kids. They can wait. They're mortals, Aziraphale replies in a low rasp. They can't. Crowley hesitates. Then, gently, he nudges his arm underneath Aziraphale's, tugging him up. Then you'd better get presentable, because I can't imagine they'll burst in here much after sunrise, if that, spoiled as they are. You look the part, Aziraphale compliments from his chair. Crowley rolls his eyes. Good. Maybe it'll distract the little blighters from all the cheating I'll need to do to make this work. 
You know this is ridiculous, don't you? We should have just snapped it up and told them to deal with it. You're too soft on them. Aziraphale smiles. You don't want to disappoint them either. Crowley scoffs and refuses to answer that. He fiddles with the tool belt around his hips. In well-worn jeans and a paint-splattered shirt, he does truly look handy. The laden belt helps, especially with the hammer. It has a yellow handle that, though the children will hardly know it, matches his eyes. It's fun to them, Crowley. They want to play. Play, Crowley grumbles. Play with sharp nails and bits of wood. Kids, what can go wrong? You won't let anything happen to them. Hmm, <laughs> says you. Aziraphale starts to respond, but curls forward instead, a fist pressed against his chest as he breathes through another of his strange attacks. They've been happening steadily all week, as far as Crowley can tell. Aziraphale insists it's all right, good even, but Crowley can't see how anything that makes the angel go all pale and shaky like that is any good at all. I'm telling them to buzz off. Aziraphale waves a hand at him. Don't! He hisses out weakly. Crowley. Fine. But you know if that happens in front of the kids, you'll scar them. Psychologically. For life. Aziraphale shoots him a dark look. Crowley, in a fit of pique, sticks out his tongue. It flickers. The kids do, indeed, arrive hardly before the sun is even properly up over the horizon. They bring their bikes, a picnic hamper and assorted bits of borrowed second-hand tools with them. Pepper has her own metal toolbox full of nails and screws and a single screwdriver. Brian has a hammer and, alarmingly, a handsaw. Wensleydale comes with a picnic hamper and a safety pamphlet. Adam hands Crowley a tape. You got a tape deck, right? It's a real proper band called Queen. They're great. If Crowley wasn't completely, utterly sure that Adam Young is no more than a simple human boy with absolutely no ominous tendencies whatsoever, that might have given him cause to doubt. Yeah, he drawls slowly. I'll get on that. Hi, Mr. Fell, Wensleydale greets, racing over to where Aziraphale sits, more, slumps, in a lawn chair under the shade of a miracled Peggio umbrella. I've got the pamphlet. I annotated it. Pepper and Brian gather up all the things they've brought and start to circle the treehouse, arguing animatedly about where the slide should go and how many loop-the-loops it ought to have. Pepper says two, Brian says six. Adam, hamper in his grasp, comes over to Crowley as the demon gets the tape player going. He looks real rough, Mr. C. He's got a doctor or something, right? Or something, Crowley agrees, faintly. He follows Adam's line of sight. Aziraphale has his head bent, talking to Wensleydale. Even in the flattering light of a sunny day's morning, he looks grey and gaunt, eyes glassy with fever and fingers trembling in his lap. He idly rubs his chest from time to time, gaze flickering over to Pepper and Brian with a soft smile. There's a pie in this basket, Adam says, drawing his attention away again. Mum said I could bring it. It's big enough for everybody, I reckon, especially cause Mr. Fell won't eat his share. Crowley winces. You're likely right. Brian can have it. It's real nice what you do for the rest of him and me. I wanted to tell you so, cause I don't think you like it much, having us around. But we do appreciate it, really. 
Crowley gently tucks the hamper from Adam's hand. You're not what I thought we'd find here. But he likes having you around, and I'm not in a place where I can argue with him anymore. So it's all right by me. He pauses. Besides, I've dealt with far worse than the likes of you lot. Adam grins, taking that as the highest compliment, which honestly, it is. Go and intervene then, before Pepper throws a punch. I'll put this in the kitchen and be right out. And mind you, don't let us eat. Mr. Fell, get out of that chair, all right? Adam tosses him a messy salute and goes running off toward Pepper and Brian, who are, indeed, looking near to blows. And that can't be allowed, because Pepper is never afraid to bite. It takes a miracle, several, actually, to get the slide up and functional before the end of the day. They bicker about design and placement for hours until Crowley breaks in, informing them sharply that there will be no loop-the-loops if they know what's good for them. But he'll make it so the slide has a spiral shape. If they'll all just shut their gobs and go inside and wash up for lunch already. They sit outside and eat cold ham and cheese sandwiches and Adam's mother's pie. The kids chuck chilled soda from perspiring bottles and Crowley drinks a beer which does not dare to sweat. Aziraphale chatters gamely while they eat picking his own sandwich into its separate components and sometimes nibbling on the crust of the bread. What I don't understand about school, though, is why is it I can't just decide what to learn about? Adam demands of the assembled party. He pulls up tufts of grass from beneath his feet, expression stormy. I mean to say, if I was to get to pick, I'd want to learn about really interesting things. How stars explode and how Vikings made ships and how to be a really wicked pirate in that. But instead it's all geometry and dead kings what killed their wives. Where's the fun in that? Aziraphale smiles, showing actual teeth for once. It's the mark of a true learner, Adam, who seeks the knowledge he wishes most to know on his own. You don't have to only learn what they teach you in school, you know. You could get books on whatever topics you like to read at home. Read at home, Brian wails, as if Aziraphel has just suggested they murder dog. Mr. Fell, that's horrible. Aziraphel laughs. Yes, I suppose it might be in a certain context. Crowley smiles at the sound of Aziraphel's laughter, low and free, even if he's tempered by the rasp in his throat. I quite like independent study, Wensleydale says, earnestly. All last month I read up on the moth and butterflies of North America. I'd like to start a collection. Oh, don't, Pepper says, disgustedly. They kill the poor things and stick them with pins. They don't always, Wensleydale argues. I could order them living and keep a terrarium, just like noodles. Why not just get yourself a noodle? Brian asks, quizzically. Seems to me a snake is a lot more interesting than a bunch of bugs. Butterflies, Wensleydale starts in, heatedly. As you are right... The sharp concern in Crowley's voice causes all the children to go silent and very still. Aziraphale curls up in his seat, hands pressed flat against his chest, breathing shallow and quick. He doesn't seem to hear Crowley's question and, when the demon touches his shoulder, doesn't react at all. Adam gets to his feet. I can call the ambulance, he says. There's no phone in the house, Crowley replies. It's all right, just sit down. Finish your lunch. Finish our lunch? Pepper echoes incredulously. I'm the fastest on my bike, Brian says, his usual placid calm absent. 
I could go down the hill and ride to Doc Ermans and... Don't, Crowley orders. Everybody just shut up and sit down and stay where you are. Angel, you with me? Adam watches the two grown-ups, frowning to himself. He's crying, Adam points out to Crowley. He looks at the them. Take your food and go in the kitchen and finish it. Let's leave him be for a bit. But... Pepper starts to argue. A look from Adam leaves her quiet. She nods. The kids pick up their paper plates and dodge single file into the cottage, letting the door shut behind them. Crowley gets to knees at Aziraphale's feet, nudging his hands between Aziraphale's fingers where they press to his chest. He grasps them, squeezing tight. Adam is right. The angel is weeping. Hey, Crowley says, lowly. He ducks his head, trying to get a good look at Aziraphale's face. Hey, easy. What's happening? Aziraphale suddenly lunges forward, throwing himself at Crowley in a tight hug. He buries his wet face against Crowley's neck and sobs openly, loudly, like a child cries, without censure or embarrassment, open-mouthed and raw. I killed them, Aziraphale moans, lowly. They started it, but toward the end they just wanted to get away, and I didn't stop, I didn't even try. Crowley, baffled, pats his back. It's fine, Angel, it's fine. You had to do it, you had to survive. You had to get through the door to the next level. You had to, to end it all, to do that. There's so much of it. Aziraphale whispers. So much death and blood and pain, Crowley, why must they hurt so? Crowley feels they are not, perhaps, talking about demons any longer. Aziraphale continues. Someday they'll grow up and it'll go away. They'll see the world and feel the terrible hurt deep within it and all of this. The butterflies and days in the sun and slides with loop-the-loops will just stop. Crowley closes his eyes, wraps his arms around Aziraphale, holds tight. Innocence. Crowley mumbles, relieved and also full of sorrow, mirroring Aziraphale's own current pain. You got your innocence back. Aziraphale can only sniffle and sob in reply. They never lose it, angel, Crowley promises. It gets tempered, maybe. Knocks off some of the gloss, but it never stops. You know it won't. They'll still doodle funny cartoons in the margins of their notes and coo at baby animals and try to swing up over the pole. They might do it all on the sly, be a bit embarrassed, but it's there. It's there. Aziraphale trembles in his arms. I've seen such terrible things, he whispers. Hard to understand how terrible, without the context. Crowley agrees, faintly. It's all right. You're just overwhelmed. It'll get easier by and by. He pulls away, starts to stand. Where are you going? Aziraphale asks, no longer crying, but still tear-stained, eyes wide. I'm gonna make sure the kids get home all right. No! No, Crowley, don't. Don't let me ruin it, please. Crowley stares at him, assessing. All right. 
But if you have another moment like that, that's it. I told you, Angel. Scarred for life. Aziraphale laughs at him, a surprised little giggle. Don't be cynical. Just let's make this a good day, Crowley. Please. Protecting the innocents, Crowley mutters. Yeah, all right. It's the perfect slide in the end. It has no loop-the-loops, but it sits in a spiral shape and has three whole levels from the second-story patio all the way to the ground. It's made of wood in the frame and flat metal bits everywhere else. The wood curves over, making the slide enclosed. Crowley's added what he sarcastically calls breathing holes all the way through, so the kids can peek out as they go sliding by. And so they can breathe if they get stuck in it. Crowley adds, smirking. It won't be too hot to touch in the summer, and in the winter it'll keep off the damp. Adam runs a hand over the side of it, like an estate keeper appraising the flank of a fine horse. It's good, he declares. Yeah, all right, but who gets to test it? Pepper demands. The eyes of the them all turn on Adam. Adam looks at Wensleydale. Safety inspection? Wensleydale beams at him. He nods, a quick affirmative gesture. On it. They watch with bated breath as he eyes it up and down and sticks his head into both ends, running his fingers along all the rivets, eyes squinting speculatively behind his glasses. Great A work, he says, and goes so far as to hand Aziraphale a homemade slip. Aziraphale smiles. It goes all the way up to his eyes, making them crinkle. Crowley's breath escapes him utterly at the sight. He hadn't realized he'd missed it so much. Good, says Adam. Mr. Fell, you wanna go? The them look at Aziraphale with wide, solemn eyes. None of them protest, even though they're all well aware of how hungry every kid among them is for a turn. Crowley glances at the angel. Not sure he's up to that. Aziraphale purses his lips, straight at the treehouse and its new, shiny slide speculatively. With a bit of help? He asks Crowley, uncertainly. Crowley closes his eyes at the lack of self-trust, at that tremulous look. Yeah, then, all right. Kids, back out of the way, eh? I don't want him to fall on you if I drop him. Aziraphale laughs. The them look horrified. He won't, Aziraphale promises them, his eyes warm on his little ducklings. I promise. Crowley, tell them you won't. Crowley makes a face. I won't drop him. Crowley says, deadpan. On any of you, he adds after a beat. Crowley pulls Aziraphale up onto his arm in a human crutch carry. He could pick the angel up outright, but he doesn't think the angel would appreciate it much. Slowly, step by step, they make it to the treehouse. Should have installed a bigger basket, Crowley mutters in Aziraphale's ear. Aziraphale laughs so hard he nearly falls out of Crowley's bracing hold. Oh my dear! Honestly. Crowley grins at him, wide and fond. You're happy. It's nice. It's a start, Aziraphale admits softly. He looks up. How on earth do you intend to get me up this tree, exactly? I wouldn't have to if you hadn't made me promise in front of the children. Look at them, Aziraphale. You've set them up for disappointment. Aziraphale looks at them and then Crowley, 
thoughtfully. I bet my primaries have grown back. Crawley's eyes go so wide that Aziraphale has no trouble at all seeing his expression through the shades. You're serious? It's such a small thing, really, isn't it? You'll make their brains melt. Not literally, I should think. Angel! They gave me something, Crowley. Something precious and wondrous. Something I will now cherish for the rest of my life. Crowley groans. Reciprocity. Save me from the equal-mindedness of stubborn angels. Fine. Fine. Why the hell not? Guess we won't be wanting to stick around in Tetfield much longer anyway, right? Go out on a bang. Sure. Great. Lovely. Crowley, Aziraphale says, eyes wide. Please? Crowley sighs. He makes sure Aziraphale is steady on his feet and then eases back, stepping wide out of the way. He looks over at the them. I know I already told you to move back, but you're going to want to move back another, uh, six feet. Maybe ten to be safe, dears. It's been a while. My aim might be off. The kids look at each other in confusion, shrug almost as one, and proceed to walk backwards several steps. Wensleydale even goes so far as to count them out exactly. Aziraphale takes a deep, calming breath and releases that tiny, bundled-up part of himself that sits between his shoulder blades, usually ignored. His wings, white and huge and more than a bit unkempt, fill the sky. Pepper lets out a low shout. Brian breathes a smooth, Wicked! Wensleydale says, Mr. Fell? In a small voice. And Adam Young, former Prince of Darkness and holder of many grim titles, feels something dormant and lost flare up in his insides, comforting and hiss. He turns his head slightly to look at Crowley. Oh, hello, you. Crowley, surprised, offers him a nod. Hey. Aziraphale's flight is brief but glorious. He shoots off into the sky, spirals once in the air and then lands delicately on the open patio of the treehouse. He grins down at the kids, enjoying their wide eyes and Adam's knowing smile. Let's test it out then, shall we? He hesitates, folding the wings in. Probably won't fit otherwise. The angel situates himself at the top of the slide, shouts a gleeful count of three and goes barreling down it. They can see him as a blur of motion through the breathing holes, making his way through three loops. He shoots out the bottom and lands on the ground, laughing in high, excited giggles. Yes, well, perhaps you should put a cushion on the bottom bit. The them whoop and cheer, racing toward the tree to take their turns. Crowley pulls Aziraphale to his feet and calmly helps the angel dust the dirt off his trousers. Good, then? Aziraphale beams at him. He's grey and far too thin, but the light that had been missing is back in his eyes, unmistakable. Good, he says, definitely. Very good indeed.